There's a scene in Monty Python's Life of Brian where uh, <laughs> two of our main characters are uh, about to go to a stoning and Eric Idle uh, is a... Uh, he's a legitimate stone seller and an off-the-sort-of-beaten-track beard seller to the women who want to do the stonings. And <laughs> before our heroes turn up, there's a, there's a woman who, who comes... Uh, who comes around the corner carrying a donkey and, and the gentleman offers her a beard, you know, beard, beard, madam. And she says, oh, look, I haven't got time to go to no stonings. He's not well again. <laughs> Whenever I think about things that are perhaps a little bit more, as my parents might have called it, deep, mm-hmm. I often mm-hmm. come back to that because there's mm-hmm. something so wonderful and grounding about that particular delivery because it's so unlike the whole rest of the film. The, the rest of the film is fanciful and silly. And this woman is so grounded and just, mm. I ain't got time for the, for your foolishness. He's not, you know, it's, it's, it's the, he's not well again. <laughs> like, it's brilliant. And so whenever we talk about the things that we're going to talk about today, whenever those ideas come up, I see that woman carrying her donkey and I just think, yeah, I see you. I see you. So, uh, gentle listener, donkeys at the ready, I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the A to Z of happiness with Annie Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. Join us as we unpack the science of happiness one letter at a time. This week, it's M for meaning. I found a quote which says, I'm not sure exactly where meaning comes from, if it is inherent or if it is real at all. What we do know is that humans flourish when they have it and suffer when they don't. And, you know, I've been... I was trying to think about how to phrase this this morning. And it does feel like life has picked me up by the ankles. It's trying to shake me upside down and, and find what, will, what it can to dislodge and remove from me. I am, as the Chinese curse has it, living through interesting times. <laughs> to put it mildly. And part of that, you know, that uh, challenge has been working out, you know, why, why do I exist? You know, what, what is my meaning? What was the meaning for my life? And it reminded me actually of when I was a kid, I had what uh, kindly people and therapists would describe as a character building childhood. And when thinking about this topic I had a flashback I'm standing in our garden I'm just kind of like looking around at what's there so I think I might have been just about in double digits possibly not a teenager yet and some bad shit has just gone down for the umpteenth time and there's a part of me that goes oh well this is going to be really helpful for when I'm a writer mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually being able, even at that age, to contextualize something and give it meaning. You know, little did I know then, you know, I thought I would become some kind of fiction writer. Little did I know, you know, like, you know, 50, no, 40 years, you know, onwards in the future, I'd probably be writing about trauma, which, uh, no, actually, if I told my 10-year-old self that probably wouldn't have been that much uh, of a surprise. But actually having these things that can give a shape to our experience. Martin Seligman, the godfather of positive psychology, in his PERMA model, you know, it's positive emotions, engagement, relationships, meaning and accomplishment. 
So, you know, again, another reason why I've got to uh, do meaning for M, uh, just as a nod to, uh, it's, it's kind of like the big cheese, um, the Grand Fromage himself. Uh, you know, he talks in his book Flourish about how a meaningful life involves feelings of belonging and some, serving something bigger than yourself, and that we are all born with a deeply rooted need to find meaning. And I think it is an interesting one as you, I guess, you know, some of us have searched for it for, for our whole lives. Other people, it's something which dawns on them as they age and mature and progress, you know. So many of us start off with, you know, trying to have the pleasant life, as, as Seligman has put it, you know, you know, successfully chasing positive feelings. And then, you know, once you've got to that stage, you can realize, oh, you know, that's the hedonic side of happiness. You realize, you know, what, what, can, what am I good at? And actually wanting to have that sense of mastery, the A, accomplishment. And, you know, deploying your signature strengths, that leads to a good life. But, you know, the meaningful life is using these capabilities and strengths to serve, as you said, you know, something larger than ourselves. And I think there's a contribution aspect to it. You know, it's almost like a, a concentric, like a drop of water, a, a ripple spreading out at the first point. It's just about you and your pleasure. And then it's kind of you and your ability to affect the things around you immediately, you know, through your mastery, your capabilities, your strengths. And then it's recognizing that we are part of a bigger pool of water. You know, how can I bring those things, those ripples, so that they spread outwards further, you know, beyond my knowledge, beyond my direct connection almost by becoming one with the environment, one with the water, one with the society that I am, you know, uh, an intrinsic part of. And, you know, a little bit of research suggests that people who believe their lives have meaning are actually happier, have higher life satisfaction, can be more engaged in their work and even have a better immune system and buffer against stress and live longer in general. So, you know, it's something which, because we have brains that have been designed to keep us safe, not make us happy, we, you know, we have this capacity to, to wonder and to suffer, to come up with things and thoughts and feelings and fantasies and fears and to know whether we are woven into our world and whether whether our thread counts to others. I'm thinking about that. I think about where I how I came up and it seems that the meaning that was ingrained uh, within my family was a lot more I, I want to use the word smaller, but I don't mean to diminish that but that the meaning was about they, you know, my family sort of has the jobs that they have to support the family. And I think the meaning comes from the connection with the family and spending time and the saving for the holiday. And then the ho like that, that is the, that is what it's about. Whereas mm. I know for me, it's maybe because that's just not how my life has panned out or, or what, but I think there is a, a quest, uh, a need for something more. And I'm, I'm just, I'm curious about that because I think both, both are 
both seem valid to me because I think you can have that 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 good life. It's not just about hedonism, but the the the, the pool that you're influencing or the rip, you know, the pool that you're rippling into is maybe a little smaller. But that's where the meaning for you comes from is 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 I do my work I put food on the table and I come home and my meaning is in the connection that I have or my ability to provide mm. Mm. and that kind of makes me think of um Martello and Steger's work and they you know there's lots of different theories about you know meaning and meaning in life but I've just enlightened on one which is because it's got a nice three-part structure um, and they talk about how meaning in life involves three main components significance, purpose, and coherence, you know, and just thinking about your story now, you know, the, the idea is, you know, you, you feel significant when you can contribute or make a difference. And that is really demonstrated in the story that you showed, because, you know, going to work, putting food on the table, planning the holidays, there's a very tangible, the sphere of influence is very tangible. You know, you can see the effect that you're having, you know, that how that what you are doing has an impact. And then with purpose, you know, this idea of, you know, the Nietzsche line again, you know, those who, ha- or those who have a why to live can bear with almost any how. You know, having these goals, this purpose, you know, people tend to use meaning and purpose interchangeably, but the meaning is the emotional significance of something, whereas purpose is more goals orientated, you know, the impact we want to have. And you know, being able to make such a visible difference in that in that family group is, you know, a tremendous place for, for purpose. And then this idea of coherence, I think in particular, you know, describing the connection between the past, the present and the future. You know, I think this is why so many people feel a sense of meaning about their families is because it places you in a lineage, a narrative. You know, you, through these actions, you are connected to your forebears and you are setting the future ready for your future generations. You know, there's a tremendous through line there, just, you know, naturally, really. You know, you can see the passage of time in one's family you know, there are, there are very clear, distinctive markers. And, you know, if you have a good family, you know, who has a a strong connection, who feels coherent, you know, as a unit, you know, that is going to help you give, you know, a sense of meaning. And well, one of the, (laughs) I, I, I used to tell friends who have kids this, this piece of research, and I'm never sure it made them, never sure it actually strengthened our friendship. But, you know, there is some research years ago which suggested that people who have kids are less happy. I mean, they have less sleep, more responsibility, more outgoings. And like a lot of the things that we often associate with the certainly hedonic happiness out of the window when you have kids. But, but they had more meaning in their lives. And I think, again, this brings back to the coherence thing. You know, a lot of people, you know, some people have kids just so that they can have a sense of meaning. And one of the tremendous griefs of not being able to have progeny, to have, you know, the longed for son or daughter is this loss of 
the potential loss of meaning in their life. You know, if I can't be a mom, if I can't be a dad, what what am I here for? You know? And so, you know, I think that takes us to our first prompt very nicely, actually. You know, what gives your life meaning? What gives your life meaning? Because it is different from all of us. You know, some, for some people, it is very much the family unit. For other people, and, you know, I kind of count myself in this category, it's mm-hmm. work. You know, the ability to to read and to, to, to synthesize and to to share. You know, doing this podcast actually gives me a sense of meaning because, you know, while, look, I love to hoard knowledge. I'm like, you know, that is like finding stuff out, finding connections between things. I got way too excited yesterday doing some research on, on Google Scholar about the connection between self-compassion and vagal tone. I mean, okay. I, I need sure. a light, frankly. That's <laughs> how I spend most of my Saturday nights. Vagal tone. It sounds like a sounds like a reggae label, by the way, but that's just a, a that's a that's a different matter. Oh yeah, yeah reggae yeah, or two tone. Yeah. Two tone label. From from yeah, from Birmingham. Yeah. Vagal tone, please, right. Oh, no, there we that, go. That's Sorted. The, yep. But yeah, I just because for me, my work means that I am connected to something bigger than myself through learning other people's ideas and then by coming up with stuff myself and hopefully sharing and helping make other people's lives better because I think it is this idea of you know being a part of something larger than ourselves that kind of places us in you know the fabric of life gives us a sense of us having significance actually and you know one of the things that you know when I was despairing that I was introduced to by my therapist I think I mentioned it in the previous episode is the idea the Jewish idea of tukun olam and god knows I'm not saying that correctly but it's described to me as this idea that creation isn't finished there's little pockets of stuff that actually need need a hand with you know, putting up a, a fence that's fallen down, smiling at a, smiling at a stranger. You know, these just, these little acts of random kindness is how they, they, they tend to be packaged The operating now. system needs a, a patch every now and again. It does. And, you know, it kind of makes me think of the, the what was it, the, the parable of, you know, the floods coming and the man sits on his roof and, you know, a guy in a, Dingy says, hi, do you want a hand? And so, no, no, it's fine. God will save me. And then like, and then like the lifeboat comes by and the water's coming. And like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. Don't worry. No, God will save me. And there's a helicopter says, hey, Dave, just, just grab the rope. No, 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 no. God will save me. And then of course, you know, the unfortunate thing happens. God die. Uh, the guy dies and he's at the gates facing God and going, whoa, Lord, why? I, I trusted you. Are you waiting? He said, look, yeah, like I sent you three different opportunities. I was trying to work through people, dude. I don't think God says to oh, you. He does yeah, in my he uh, particular does. universe. Yes. She, or she, she does, does, or they do. You know, let's, let's no, no, not please. be gender biased. And so, you know, this, that idea that the little, the little acts of co-creation, the little acts of conscientious uh application you know through me not by me something i often say and i think this is something which 
can be found through things like volunteering. You know, research suggests that volunteering is particularly good for us. And, you know, certainly, you know, today, you know, as we're recording, today is the last day of me volunteering and being involved with an organization that I've devoted my heart to, you know, the Museum of Happiness. And that, you know, contributing to something bigger than myself. You know, a lot of people try and start something up. And I've always been more inclined to put my shoulder to an already existing wheel. And I think there's, it's, you know, being able to find meaning through those contributions has been really impactful for me and has given me a sense of purpose, a sense of significance, and actually given me a sense of coherence. You know, I can see a through line from who I was when I started to who I am as I'm now leaving and can see the trajectory from one point to the other and how that has brought many things into my life, including you know, doing an MSc in applied positive psychology, which I will hopefully finish in three weeks' time. Um, God's willing, touch wood. Which also gives me meaning. That I don't know if that brings us on to our, to our next question, but I think the, the the second prompt here, I, I think, is a is a really interesting one. Is chasing meaning making you unhappy? And that it it, it doesn't not resonate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when you when you were sort of outlining things earlier i was thinking about how when i've gone from sort of the freelance life trying to build something uh, and and then getting a job it takes me usually maybe a couple of months after having the job to go okay what's next uh what am i doing in my spare time <laughs> um what am i working towards and there's always mm. you know there's always something and it invariably happens there'll be a few months where i'll just enjoy the fact that i can come home and guilt free sit and watch tv and go to the shops on a saturday and see my friends and do a do a life and then that gets boring mm. or that just gets okay yep that's fine like that's settled now this job, you know, doesn't necessarily mm. give me meaning. I haven't really worked for a company where I have had that meaning, although, of course, it's something that companies like to try and engender in you uh, because it helps them. Um, but it's not something I've ever really sort of felt <laughs> myself. But, yeah, th th then there always comes this 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 chase. And f what this question sort of means to me is not necessarily the direct chase for meaning being the problem but but the or being the, the mm. source of unhappiness but what goes along the way the sacrifices that you have to make uh the difficult choices that you have to make the things that you put aside the the you know the the precarity that you might face whatever um the yeah just the challenges that that, that come from from that that's what sort of makes me think about this and and, and i kind of keep coming back to and and, and i'll let you finish but i keep coming back to <laughs> Oliver Berkman a lot with the 4,000 weeks thing and chasing meaning a little bit like the American pursuit of happiness is like what do you do when you've got it um the 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 continued yeah. chase you can do so much to try and get that thing that can then because when you get it you tell yourself you're going to be happy but you're um you're unhappy now and why trade present unhappiness for potential possible 
uncertain future happiness. So those are all the things that um, that, that appear in my brain when I when 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 you ask that question, Anya. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it is that thing of you know I will be happy when. That's where the root of this is. You know, I will be happy when I have. You know, I, you know, had a had a, a you know a few conversations with someone who <laughs> said he had you know a high quality problem. You know, he worked in tech in software, and if he needed it, he could pull money out of his ass doing stuff. And it wasn't meaningful for him. And the thing that was really meaningful for him was, you know, helping people have transformational conversations. And for me, it was a way of the only thing that was stopping him from enjoying all of it was his own judgment and thinking about it. And that one was intrinsically better than the other. Whereas, you know, the things that he was doing, yes, to, to to make money appear magically. Actually, no, he's working, helping, you know, a hospital. He was working with, you know, he, in with, you know, just sitting down and looking at it going, you know, you are making an impact, a positive impact with people, you know, regardless of what you do, just by being who you are. These are just mediums through which you you make that 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 impact. But that, you know, Neither activity actually reflects, you know, poorly on you. These are just, you know, you are you. You are bringing your heart and your soul into what you do if you if you choose to, if you want to. And, you know, you can find meaning and significance in anything that you choose to. It's just that you have a particular bias towards one thing over the other. You know, I think it's it's that thing of, you know, not wanting to almost that, that, that for some reason the idea of washing up comes into mind you know you want to make a lovely meal for someone and yet you find it less meaningful to do the washing up afterwards and yet all of it can be meaningful all of it can be a way of expressing love and care and agency in the world all of these things can be done with love it's just up to us to to recognize that and so this idea of you know how we can stop chasing meaning and actually allow meaning to rise in us is offered by the final prompt here you know how can you offer a sense of meaning to others because i think a lot of this is it's mindfulness it's kind of like being in the present moment. It's actually rather than being caught up in our head and our thinking going, this is meaningful, this is not meaningful. Actually just, you know, starting where we are. I think that for me has been hugely helpful. You know, again, not to belabor the point, but, you know, I'm socially isolated. I don't have much contact with people. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm rarely witnessed. Trying to find a sense of significance, purpose or coherence can be a little bit challenging. And yet I always have the ability to give someone else a sense of significance, to let someone else know, you know, you are having this impact on me. It is positive and I appreciate it. And that then helps someone else to recognize their own purpose 
you know, their own sense of coherence in their narrative, you know, getting this, this loving feedback, this loving care, and, you know, being specific about it as well. You know, the research suggests that if we say, you know, thank you to someone, they ask quite nice, but if you say, you know, thank you because, and you kind of like you break it down, you're then helping them, you know, to, to tie back into that moment, that situation and to re-experience it and to re-experience it through your lens of gratitude, you know, and writing a gratitude letter or even a gratitude text. If you are, if it's safe uh, and, and, and non-perilous to do so, if you're not operating a heavy machinery or a vehicle uh, and you're just sitting around just drinking a cup of coffee and there's someone who has made an impact on you, why not send, send them a quick text right now and just think of something that you're grateful to them for um, and then give them that sense of, you know, a sense of significance. And this way, you know, you are again demonstrating that you are in the family of things. I think, you know, breaking through that, that sense of isolation and just by through the simple act of reaching out to another. It's, it's very much, you know, I do the Anya Bingo card, John Tarrant Roshi. You know, attention is the most basic form of love. Through it, we bless and are blessed. And I think through being the love that we want to see in the world is, for me personally, a tremendous way of giving my life meaning. I am going to take us on a weird tangent in that I went and got my hair cut yesterday and there was uh, a gentleman, a younger gentleman, uh, who was having his hair cut and he finished before me and he was quite effusive in his thanks and, and, and grateful and... It made me realize that a lot of the time I'm not like that. And it's not because I'm not grateful. And so I, end, I ended up giving this guy uh, a tip and I was, a, I was just a bit more mindful and a bit more sort of, uh, yeah, effusive in my, in my thanks because I was just, yeah, I was aware of that. And I had such a lovely little spring in my step afterwards. I really felt I just I, I kind of felt nice. I felt I felt tingly. He was he was grateful, and I was grateful, and everything was lovely. <laughs> and I think you know there is this thing of, you know, we have a certain reserve. We we, we fear being, you know, it, it it's everything. A lot of things in society. Hopefully, it's less so now. But you know, if you want to be cool or considered cool, you're supposed to be like disinterested and you know, not take any notice of people. It's like, screw that. You know, get engaged. Show someone that you recognize that they freaking exist. <laughs> and yeah, you know, so that's, uh, that's my little act of rebellion, kind of like reminding people, yeah, I can fucking see you. <laughs> so do you want to bring us home? Yeah. So now this, I'm going to draw on the last few paragraphs of uh, Max Ehrman's Desiderata from 1927, because he was trying to think of something which would be a good way to bring this session of meaning to an end. And I do recommend you check out the whole poem. But I mean, if I re read the whole thing out, if you already listened to my voice for like, you know, almost half an hour, I'd be here for another 30 minutes <laughs> reading the whole thing. And so, yeah, I just love to leave you with this, this parting gift. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. 
you are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be, and whatever your labours and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all its sham, drudgery and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. The A to Z of Happiness is presented by Anya Pierce and me, Mark Stedman. It's produced by Origin, and you can find us at a2zofhappiness.com, where you'll also find links to the things we discussed. If you know someone who could benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them, whichever way is easiest for you. Take care, and do join us again next week on the A to Z of Happiness. Anya and I are going to be taking ourselves a quick mid-season break. So if you haven't already caught up on our previous episodes from A to L, then you can do that at a to Z of happiness.com. Otherwise, thank you so much for being with us for this first leg of the journey. And we can't wait to join you again in a few short, scant weeks time to conclude the alphabet. Take care of yourself. And we'll speak to you again very soon.